Do you wanna play a game? Do you like scary movies? Do you wanna eat some brains? Is your chainsaw arm groovy? How bloodthirsty could a talking plant be? Eat your liver with some fava beans and a nice candy. Come play with us forever, cause down here we all float. I never drink wine, so you're gonna need a bigger boat. Or a throat to choke, whether you're in the prim or dairy. Got red rum where your blood from, put your dead son in the cemetery. It's him or carry, be very afraid. You'll be our number one fan and get carried away. All working, no play, you know it always means you're in trouble, son. I came to chew gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. What if Quint killed Jaws' his father? What if the Bob's body was marijuana? What if the leprechaun got a job as a bank guard? What if the Wolfman had a cowbell instead of Every Nars? scary movie made since Oscar Wilde was writing letters Had canon to watch them all and tell you how to make them better So put your earbuds in and forget what you're planning It's time to take our heads and shoot them out of a cannon 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 Welcome to Head Cannon. Uh, we have a very special guest tonight. Britt, do you wanna do you wanna introduce your guest? This is I, I just met this man. He seems like a wonderful man, but I feel like maybe you should introduce yeah. him since you know him. Yeah, this is my buddy James Caps. He's a he's a lead teacher at uh, the school I work at. Um, yeah, he's he's a really cool guy, and I think you guys share something in common. As um, Corey, you and James are both, I guess, I, I considered urban farmers. Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> urban yeah, farmers. Yeah. So James, um, why don't you say hello and, and what, what do you farm? What, what do you currently farm? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, once again, I want to thank both of you all for having me. Uh, as soon as. Brent told me I was uh, I was like in I was like how can, can let me what can I do uh, let me try to bike my out to the pot um, but so I currently um, we have uh, we have like twelve chickens uh, three goats <laughs> and uh, a lot of uh, crops uh, plants but I don't I don't do plants I'm an animal guy okay nice it's a, that's awesome yeah we're gonna do we're gonna do a little garden we've done one before when we lived in Indianapolis but we. We just got some some ducklings a few weeks ago, so that's been interesting. Were they are they uh, Peking? No, they're not, uh, but I forget. Uh, my my wife found them, so I, yeah, I forget what kind they are, but I know they're not Peking ducks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Well, uh, lots of good luck with birds. Uh, speaking of horror, uh, there's no animal scarier than an angry bird. So, uh. <laughs> right. Yeah, we're gonna get some chickens too, so we'll find out all about that. Chickens are a trip. <laughs> nice. So we were talking uh, earlier. We, we know a lot of people in common, right? You you know people kind of in the theater community. Where there's a lot of overlap there. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and, and I think the story I was sharing earlier, actually thinking of you know this uh, what show that I adapted, like The Bad Seed. I think kind of like harkens back to like my love of horror, like it being one of my like like favorite horror novels that I read like growing up, and then. Um, taking the script like because the the play and movie script were both both um they had a lot of male roles whose job it was to just uh keep ladies quiet so like in the in the adaptation i was like we could, we could probably get rid of like five of these dudes <laughs> <laughs> right it cut down on the cast considerably 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Well, in the, so will you tell us a little bit about the uh, the movie you've brought today, which was interesting. I had never seen this movie before, and I, and I thought I was in for like a, uh, you know, just like a, a run-of-the-mill uh, 80s slasher flick, and then I get through it, and especially to the end, and I was like, oh, fuck, this is, this is something else entirely. There's a lot going on here, you know? Yeah, I also want to say, like, I feel so honored that I was uh, allowed to pick the movie. Um, so I think this is, I would say, uh, one of top two. I don't know which one I would rank higher or not, but um, one of my top two favorite, like, queer 80s slasher movies. Mm -hmm. um, the only one I think might be going to spawn some competition is uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, which maybe is a time for another, but... I don't know if you remember that one, but it is the only one where the final girl is uh, is a guy, and uh, it is it's actually very problematic. The, the cast was essentially, in many ways, trying to like humiliate this actor, so they kept creating all these scenes mm -hmm. uh, because they knew that he was gay. But what they ended up making was this like iconic, like camp '80s slasher movie that's part of this you know huge franchise. So it's, it's awesome. Nice. That's and I don't recall that movie, but I've actually just in in researching things for this podcast, I've read a little bit about that uh, that movie in particular. You know, apparently being celebrated for its representation. You know, in in the in the gay community, which wasn't something yeah. I was aware of. But <laughs> yeah, it is. So yeah, so I picked this. Um, I think for me, one of the reasons that this movie stands out is uh, there is there's this school of uh, thought I think of people that are like horror and. Um, so for me, horror was like my go-to, whether it was books or movies and stuff growing up, like my favorite memories of youth were like, uh, like, you know, I was a, <laughs> I was a chubby loner kid who liked to read, but it's like my favorite summer days were like hanging out inside watching horror movies in the middle of the day. And there's nothing like this contrast between this like awesome summer setting, like, right, like remove all the horror from this movie and you just have some kids having like a really cool summer at like a camp. Right. Um, so for me, it's like, this is one of my favorites for that reason. Um, clearly it's a Friday the 13th, you know, kind of rip off, which is, or I'm sorry, Halloween rip off, which is what everything was at that right. time. Um, but I think that setting the contrast of the, like that, like fun, nostalgic summerness with, you know, what we get later right. is, uh, <laughs> is particularly interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah, and so we did. Do, did we mention it was uh, Sleepaway Camp? Was the, is the title of the movie? I don't know if we mentioned it. Not nineteen eighty three, um, and uh, yeah, yeah, interesting movie. And I, and and I gotta say, I saw and, and not not knowing you, James, before this, I got to the end and because I just I wasn't able to walk, to watch this until last night, and then I got to the end and I was like, I was like, oh man, like it's it's a it's such an impactful reveal, but I was also like. Oh man, there's a lot of like uh, undertones and, and I, I can see how this is also problematic. So like there was a lot of things I thought, and I immediately started like reading articles and kind of putting together what I was going to like my thoughts on it and, and not know, you know, it's like, Oh man, am I going to like be on a podcast with somebody who, who like loves this movie and is unaware of the, maybe some of the, you know, the problematic. So it's such, it's a, it's a relief where I'm like, Oh good. Oh, it's okay. This guy's going to be, you know, going to kind of, so, and I don't know, like, if typically we talk about, like, movies kind of, a, like, sequentially and things that happen, but, like, that that very thing that you were just describing, um, I think, is, like, a big debate around this movie that I've had with other folks is, is, is this, is this movie a trans narrative or not? Right. Um, because, one, we, we can say, you know, there's, 
the sequels, which I don't know if we talk about those later, but that kind of gets uh, reveals some things. But we essentially don't know that Angela. What we don't know is what Angela's you know identity is. Mm-hmm. We know what has, but so it maybe isn't a trans narrative in that aspect. But in the aspect that she is an individual who has had gender norms, uh, you know, pushed onto her to conform to these things maybe regardless of her identity makes it a trans theory. So it's, it's a very, there's a lot of levels, I think. Right. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Oh man. And I, I, I don't want to put the cart before the horse. So maybe do you guys kind of just want to jump into the movie kind of from the beginning and maybe that's better. We'll talk about some of that stuff toward the end. Some of like the deeper uh, yeah. meta stuff, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I love the beginning. It's like the beginning is almost like a little vignette, like, um, like just intro to what's going to happen. You know, these, you're, they're on the lake. And there's like the real cocky um, camp counselor guy in the speedboat with the girl, and they're they're, they're pulling behind them a uh, like someone on water skis, yeah. right? And the outfits are so amazing; they're just like so eighties, like <laughs> everything's so short and tight on everybody. And my favorite part of this, the opening scene has got to be like the little kids swimming around the boat. They have like these thick New York accents. <laughs> Like, I almost picture like they're they're eating meatball subs in the dirty water. You know, it's just like, hey, man, what's the 80s game going to be on? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that scene, well, and I would say even to cut back, the opening scene, the opening credit sequence, uh, This, I mean, certainly the title, Sleepaway Camp, for this movie, uh, <laughs> camp is the right word to use. Right. But that opening sequence where they're panning through the clearly, like, disheveled camp, yeah. And we hear these like voices of the happiness, I think sets us up for that scene really well. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's like a, a, a long and it's funny, you know, if we watch any movie from like more than a, a decade or two ago, it has those like three or four minute intro credits, you know, and my and if I watch any movie older than, you know, 15, 20 years with my kids, they're like, oh, my God, when's this movie going to start? It's been fucking five minutes already. You know, but, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, this movie, this movie is a good example of how it's, it's just like, yeah, it does a really nice job of just kind of like setting the atmosphere, setting the table. And, and yeah, I really enjoyed that. And so if, if my question to you all would be like, uh, in that opening scene, what was your, um, I knew luckily somehow this movie escaped me. I went into this movie, not knowing much about it. Um, as someone who, you know, a kid who grew up loved loving like eighties horror, um, but like, what was your all take on the relationship between the father and, uh, you know, the person talking to him from the shore, like telling him that the, the doctor's coming? Like, right. that, what did you like? That was, was your yeah, read on that. My first, I, I didn't pick up on any kind of romantic relationship at all. Um, you know, it's, and maybe that's just uh, my, my heteroness. But I, you know, I was like, I was like, oh, well, and there's so much going on in the beginning that's confusing. It says the doctor's coming. And then they're like, oh, Aunt Martha is Ricky with her. And there's so much information that has no context. It, like, I almost couldn't place anything in anything. You know what I mean? Like, anyone's relationship to anyone. Who are these people they're talking about? Who are these people I'm looking at? Like, it, it was all just kind of, like, fuzzy. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, and that vignette. The only thing, the only hint we get in any relationship is when the inevitable boat crash happens. Is the when it cuts to everyone's reactions, and we just get the guy on the shore, John. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a great part. <laughs> that girl in the water was just like freaking out, like so bad. Yeah. Oh my. Oh god. Yeah. Like a full minute of. Help the people. Help! They're gonna die. Yeah. I know it. They're gonna die. Well, cause... You know, there was like a there was a thing they used a bit like the the reactions of people, whether you're getting hurt or witnessing getting hurt. Like the guy in the walk-in when he gets burned. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but I'm, I'm I'm making a parallel. Like just like this like screaming, and it's like just you're like what like 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 one of your children, Corey being upset at the beginning of the movie like what is it gonna stop (laughs) right when they had the great effects of like their like boils on his skin like puffing up you know as he gets burned yeah Yeah. the 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 practical effects um i think for this movie for 1983 were pretty pretty impressive Uh, yeah yeah um and so yeah i think from there obviously we have that opening scene the inevitable boat crash and then we are left to believe in the next scene we see aunt martha with uh ricky and who we um angela who we believe to be the surviving daughter of the accident yeah which which was weird for me because for some reason and i went back and watched the beginning again and they only show the surviving kid from the back so you really can't tell but for some reason i thought peter had survived so it was just like the position where they were and how the boat hit and just the the kid that they do show I thought Peter had survived, so then it cuts to Angela, and I was like, oh, wait, did I, I was like, okay, maybe I, 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 I don't know what happened, you know? They specifically show, uh, having, I mean, I've watched this movie, I've, you know, gone back a few times, they specifically show the, like, kind of, the Peter, the male child, like, they show him being the one that survived, but we, you know, forget that as the movie goes on, or don't notice, but right. it is, you know, consistent, which is cool. Yeah. Well, and I feel like we got to talk about this. The Aunt Martha character, who, as I was looking about this, Desiree Gould, the actress who played her, uh, she she passed away like a week ago, like last week. Oh. Yeah. Which I I just thought was interesting. But she, man, she does such a great, like she's she's the wildest character in the film, hands down. You know. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Well, so in. Something I think something else to think about as as we go through this is this movie portrays a lot of really shitty people and a lot of really shitty relationships. And yeah. you know, as regardless of one, I want to know what she's the doctor of. Right. Yeah. Two <laughs> is like the only like the only I think healthy relationship we see in this movie is the relationship between the father and his partner. Mm. Um amongst this sea of people being really terrible to each other. Yeah. Uh yeah. But then also, as far as, like, genuinely good people who, I guess, regardless of psychological turmoil, like, believe who, you know, I think we're acting out of kindness and intentionally trying to be kind. We have, like, you know, Aunt, we have, uh, you know, um, Aunt, her name, I'm sorry, Aunt Martha. Aunt Martha, yeah. Aunt Martha, and, you know, that one counselor who's still, like, really good friends with Meg, the worst camp counselor ever. Right. Uh, is that is that the owner, the older guy, or you're talking about Ronnie? Who, or, or are you talking about oh, the, the the one who she's paired the complaints department? I'm Meg. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay, the one who yeah. she, who punches Judy at one point, or like slaps Judy, right? 
Oh yeah, to get her into like yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that, and that's that was one thing that struck me about this movie was how, and it leads to some some really funny lines, but it is just like wallowing in some of like just like terrible people. They're all terrible people. The kids are always yeah. just being so mean to each other, and it's it's like. Yeah, I was at one point I was just like, okay, yeah, I just need to settle in and enjoy, you know, like eat shit and die, eat shit and live, you know. Oh, okay, <laughs> I was, I have this written down on my notes. That as a burn, yeah. that burn is iconic. Like I have used that. Just like Ricky is so cool, and that response, like, <laughs> classic. Yeah. Well, I feel yeah. There's so many. I mean, just like, and it's so fun. I mean, they're being so terrible to it. But what does she say? Oh, you're a carpenter's dream, right? She tells Angela at one point. <laughs> flat as a board and, and needs a screw. Or yeah. Something. Yeah, flat as a board and needs a screw. Yeah, it's, it's like 12 year old girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're so mean to each other. Yeah. <laughs> and by, by far, like, it's got to be like the horniest camp that's ever existed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so. Like, even, like, I think it's, is it Ricky who goes up to, like, a girl who's, like, two feet taller than him, and he's just like, remember, like, remember last year, all the good nights we had? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, you're, like, 12. <laughs> and so I think, I mean, I don't want to derail us, I guess, from, like, you know, covering the general plot too right. much, but, like, uh, yeah, and additionally, you know, at one point, very, very close to that, you know, when everyone's settling into camp, and it becomes clear that, uh Angela's kind of an outcast and a target by the other girls. There's that scene where all of the guys are trying to get the girls to go skinny dipping with him. And it's like, maybe, okay. So as someone who is not a straight guy, maybe that's a thing that happens, but it's like, it seems strange to be like, Oh man, none of these girls are going to go skinny dipping with us. Well, let's go guys. Well, yeah. Which I, I mean, I gotta say, I appreciate their commitment to it. You know what I mean? Like if you decide you're going to do something, then do it, you know, but yeah, it, it was, that was an that scene did not expect. Cause on one hand, you know, and you're used to, especially like eighties teens slasher flicks, um, showing a lot of female nudity, which there was like none in this movie. If, it, if anything, it was all male nudity. And then, so that, that scene, especially I was like, I, you think it's going to go one way and you're like, you know, I was like, all those, all those girls actually look too young to like, please don't have them get naked in this movie because they look very, except for Judy, who somehow looks both 12 and 40 at the same time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so and in, in, in preparation for the podcast, I, uh, my friend, uh, who also you all might know, he, uh, worked, um, Michael Burke. Yeah. Uh, worked in the indie. Yeah. yeah I've worked so with him. He's, yeah. He's one of my best friends. He, uh, is moving. The last year, you know, he was moving, whatever. He was moving in Florida with his family. He's moving back to Chicago to dress and stuff. But he stopped over for a night, and I was rewatching this as you know to prepare for the podcast. And he's, you know, usually he's down for any weird thing I'm watching. And his first response to that was, he was like, "She's forty five years old." Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's awfully strange that she's somehow older than all of the counselors. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which <laughs> I did. I did read somewhere that that it was on purpose that all the slasher movies of the time they were they were um, casting all these older people to play much younger roles, mm -hmm. and the director like legit like cast like twelve, thirteen year old people to mm -hmm. be in this movie to portray that exact age. Like, it was on. Oh, that was an interesting choice. 
Hence, hence the nudity thing, I'd imagine. Right. And I didn't, I didn't realize till Corey, you mentioned, but in fact, like you're right, this is like the most hypersexual camp. But I think, if I'm correct, I think we get one sex or semi-sex scene in this movie, and it's and it is the the father and his partner, right? Like, yeah, I, that's the only. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, that I can recall. Yeah. Yeah. There's I, there's some makeout, like some second base stuff, I think. <laughs> Where Meg is so terrible. Like, do you have to kiss so wet? Yeah. I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that, oh, man. I've got that line written down somewhere. Yeah, that's just, you have I, to I kiss so if wet. my wife said that to me, if my wife said that to me, it'd be done. <laughs> right. But, like, yeah. You told me, to be like, oh, you still, we're still going? Cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, wipe your arm on your sleeve. Right. Like, yeah. Oh, I fuck. think I actually did that. myself kid uh my parents would you know sometimes just drop my brother and i off at the roller rink on friday nights to like kind of force me into social situations and <laughs> what i did was turned it into an economic opportunity so like while other people were hooking up and or smoking cigarettes in the bathroom they paid me in video game tokens to be the lookout at the bathroom door so, <laughs> nice so like, entrepreneur <laughs> yes yes <laughs> Took it right on over to that ski ball machine. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> and you got to watch them all make out. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, had to watch the door. But so, well, so, so, so then it cuts to, uh, this was a weird scene, which this guy, he's the first death. He almost immediately gets his comeuppance, which is very satisfying. Um, but like, as the kids are all going into the camp, there's the, the, the chef, Artie. Artie, I wrote down some of the terrible stuff he said as these kids are walking by. He's like, young, fresh chicken, he calls them. Uh, he says, where I come from, we call them baldies. Uh, and, then, and then says no such thing as too young, which is, which is terrible stuff. But he's like, with all of the other guys in the kitchen staff. But then later they were all like, after he dies, Ben, the head guy, is like, Oh yeah, I thought he had some demons in him, but I don't like everyone kind of acts surprised that he's a pedophile. It's like he's he just, he's telling you, like he's telling everyone, like he, it's not a secret, you know. And I think also it's to be noted that like his main go-to, the guy he's telling all of this to, is none other than Robert Earl Jones, father of Darth Vader himself. Oh, is it? Yes. Oh, fuck, I didn't. James Earl Jones's dad is the. Uh... The second in command in the kitchen. Yeah, I, see, I, I saw that that guy had like an extensive film history, but I didn't know he was James Earl Jones' dad. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Damn. Yeah, yeah. Damn, um, Ben. I like that huge pot that they had in the stove for yeah. the corn. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Ryan, my uh, my partner immediately started uh, like googling and finding the largest stock pot he could find, and he was like. He was like, it doesn't exist. He was like, <laughs> he was like, he was like, this is a sixty-five gallon one, and it was like a tenth of the size. Right. Like, he was like, it's, it's not a thing. Was that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but that pot was real. It was like it looked metal. I think there no, was even water it, in. It looked like a real pot. Yeah. No, but it, it was it was huge, and that whole scene where it's like cutting. I don't think they could show like a panned out version because it would just look too ridiculous. But it's like cuts between him right over this pan and then the hand on the chair pulling it and then his his fingers on the shelf 
that he's like yeah. barely it's like trying to create this tension in this ridiculous situation you know <laughs> but you know i will say the music the music um helped the bad acting and the bad like yeah all, all the bad acting was like elevated so much by this music because I, I remember thinking like like feeling that tension like oh my gosh what's going to happen but then realizing oh but like there's really shitty acting right now <laughs> like they tricked me they tricked you with the score <laughs> oh, i mean like freaking like magicians <laughs> well and i think something to note of this movie is like uh as brit as you said they you know they intentionally cast you know cast age appropriate actors for the kids is that the the kids kind of do it the kids are do a pretty solid performance uh it's the adults that are like the train wreck as far as acting in this movie yeah you're exactly right Oh, one thing I thought was interesting. So, yeah, after they – so kind of jumping ahead, they're at the camp. They kind of get settled in. It's kind of established that Angela's being picked on. Um, they try to get her some food. That's when the chef takes her to the walk-in, tries to molest her. Ricky Ricky comes in and interrupts them and saves her. That's when he falls into the enormous stockpot and and dies. Um, but so then I was interested after that. So then I, I want to talk about the, the owner, I think, of the camp. The cigar chomping yeah. Mr. Costa. My yeah. <laughs> and it, it was weird to me that he came in and immediately like was weird and trying to bribe the kitchen staff not to tell. And it's like, why would you why would you tell the all the kids that there was a horrible accident anyway? Like that's not a weird shady thing. Like what I you know, you probably it's, don't just don't need to tell the kids that, you know. The commitment, I mean, if you look back to like I mean I'm I'm you know, pulling from Friday the thirteenth. Uh, I think the people that are the most committed to their jobs are 80s camp owners. Like, <laughs> they were running that camp no matter what. Right. <laughs> yeah, people dying, it doesn't matter. That's their whole livelihood, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think we also, what's important we got to next are, one, this, uh, you know, the social, like, what is that, their little, like, convention hall or whatever where they all hang out. Mm -hmm. um, Ricky's entrance with that... Uh, that cowboy hat like he walked he owns yeah. that room when he walks in yeah he i noticed that too i was like he looks like the the protagonist and like yeah like he's fucking john wick or somebody about to come in and kick somebody's ass like like just all 65 pounds of him just like <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah dude he's and he's, he's got like the temperament of of someone who, who is like a john wick character like oh i hope i'm not jumping too far ahead but like when the kids are chucking rocks like off the roof, no water balloons. Water balloons, yeah. Off the roof, and he's gonna like take all four of them on. Yeah, yeah, he does not care. He'll fight. He's like a little yeah. like a terrier man, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, <laughs> also, like, <laughs> jumping ahead to that that water balloon scene, the <laughs> the Mister the camp owner's response when he's like. Don't you know how dangerous those things are? You could have put an eye out. And I was like, are are they like are water balloons dangerous? Have they been dangerous this whole time? Right. Did we not know? And out of everything these kids are doing at this camp, like that's the that's the thing you had the biggest problem with was them... like on the roof. Right. The... Yeah. Yeah. It's not. Don't be on the roof. It's not. Maybe you'll fall off the roof. It's throwing water balloons. <laughs> did Did either of you guys ever go to camp? I never did. I did not. Oh, okay. So the only camp I was thinking about this on my, on my bike ride today. Um, I know because I, I think it's a very one a very like I, I tend to think of it as an affluent like 
who, whose parents could afford to send them to like a uh, camp uh, for the whole summer. Uh, but what I did do, my only experience was uh, my parents did send me to, I do not know what the PC term for um, essentially fat camp is, mm. but uh, it was, it was a week long uh, camp where you send uh, husky kids to be more <laughs> active and where they really, uh, control your diet during that week and uh we spent like 80 percent of the day marching places um and then we would the, the worst the worst part of it was that we would go there were several different camps happening at this one place right uh-huh. we were just one camp so they would take us into at meal times into this cafeteria where all of the other camps had access to this like imagine old country buffet <laughs> right and then we had our section where we had these boxed lunches of healthy food so not only were we marching all day then we were watching like other non-husky kids with oh. their like with their waistlines and like you know regular normal age appropriate relationships having a buffet right um, <laughs> it was uh and also none of the none of the bathroom stalls had doors uh, that was those are the things i remember from that camp Yes. Yeah, that's yeah, that sounds pretty miserable. What if like just now you had this realization that it was like that it was like a Hitler youth thing? Or... <laughs> <laughs> well, we did to read this like my book. No, yeah, for sure. I mean I mean yeah, we were all my parents dyed my hair blonde before I went. It was crazy. <laughs> but it was, I, it was... I, never went, I never got to go to camp, but I was in Boy Scouts and there were like three factions of Boy Scouts at my school. And I was in the group with my mom. My mom was our den leader. And we had the most boring, like it was like all the other kids, they got to go with these like burly dudes with, that would like take them out like hiking. And we were like making things with popsicle sticks <laughs> and cooking. <laughs> it was always so terrible. <laughs> it was like very different experiences. So there was, there, there was no camping for you all? <laughs> no, and then we would like all convene and have like the weekly meeting, and these kids would be like, "Look what we made, we made you know, <laughs> I made a fucking hatchet or something." And, and like I was like, "Oh, I got this like popsicle stick, like a little house, like log cabin." <laughs> like we had the best snacks, though. We had better snacks for sure. Yeah, <laughs> like the like the only Boy Scout uh, troop that by the end was able to like replace their own buttons on their shirts. Like by the end. <laughs> Yeah, right. You're like we're sewing our own patches on. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that's, I want to. So I during that scene, I think it was the the uh, water balloon scene. I wrote I wrote another one of Ricky's lines down when, but he tells the boys he's like, "I'm gonna beat all your asses in." That's his, yes. I'm gonna beat all your asses in. I was like, "Damn, that, that's so badass." That sounds hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i i think we uh so something we maybe missed was the the budding romance however mm-hmm. between um angela and ricky's uh good friend but paul paul was... yeah i think it's paul, paul. i think yes. it's paul yeah yeah yes paul um who's ricky's like best camp friend they seem to be like you know bros as soon as he got there and Despite the fact that Angela talks to no one, not even Ricky, we never even hear her speak to Ricky. Yeah, um, she she does uh, hold a conversation with uh, 
with, uh, with Paul. Travis Paul, yeah. Paul. Which, so we have which, that budding romance happening. Yeah, which also seems to open her up to like talk to other people as well. Like she's still pretty quiet, but not only does she talk to Paul, like she'll talk to other people after that too. You know. Oh, does she? Oh, does, well, we see. Whoa, then we see her talk to Ricky. Yeah. Um, well, and she'll answer like I, you know, I think at one point, at one point when Judy's like really picking on her, she was like, she tells the other girl, she's like, I didn't even do anything. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything. You know? Oh when, yeah. When Judy yeah. tripped out. It's not much, but she does, she does talk a little she, bit after that. She tells the other counselor, the the counselor who's kind to her. Right. She tells her like, yeah, I wasn't. Yes. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Um. So then there's the the second death. Oh, I think this is the skinny dipping scene. Where this was a weird fucking scene. <laughs> this guy, I feel like that's every scene in the movie. But so he's like, he gets it like, I mean, ostensibly, you would think these guys are like, I, I don't know if they're trying to create a relationship with these girls or at least like, you know, hook up or something. But he takes, he like, she, she agrees to go out on a canoe with him and he immediately is just like a huge dick and picks yeah. on her, like starts teasing her about sea snakes and then tips the boat over and dumps her in the water, you know? <laughs> like, he, like, he, he sabotages everything that he's wanting like he got the girl on the boat <laughs> well, right. and he also like uh, well my favorite thing like in that scene is like he tips the boat she we clearly see her swim away and tell him what it and then right. he goes under the boat to look for her well like, yeah and she, yeah and they, yeah they pull her onto the shore immediately and then he goes yes. under the boat and then it's it yeah it seems like he's looking at her at first looking for her, but then he's just being a weirdo under the, he's just like <laughs> making noises and it? doing weird uh, shit. Uh, oh, viva maneuva. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but 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 this is where, and this is, and I kind I, at this point I wondered I kind of thought maybe Angela was the murderer pretty early on. Um, or if not her, maybe, cause I know, you know, it's like, we had to have had that opening scene for a reason. So maybe, maybe the other sibling did survive and he's like creeping in the woods as the murderer. I, I, you know, it's like that opening scene has to tie into it, but everybody, they make a point in the movie to let you know that everybody knows who the killer is and recognizes them. They're like, Oh, it's you. What are you doing here? Oh no, you're drowning me. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing here? Yeah. 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 Like, what are you doing in my secret canoe hideout? <laughs> so yeah, I guess what I'm curious about, what I would ask you all is at this point in the movie, right? Two murders in, um, you know, we've seen kind of some silhouettes other than possibly Angela. Who else did you all suspect maybe might've been the killer? I, I, she was really, my, point, I, I, I think, thought, oh, go no, ahead, Corey, sorry. Well, I was just, I, I thought I, they were pointing too hard at Ricky. Like I, I discounted Ricky pretty, cause I was like, it's, it's obviously not him because <laughs> the, the old man Costa thinks it's him like right off the bat for some reason. And then, I, so at that point it could really be any of the other kids, but we didn't seem to have any clues that it would be anybody other than maybe Angela or, so that's why I thought maybe it had something to do with that early scene because I, I really just didn't feel like we had any clues to, toward anything else, you know? Yeah. What about you, Brent? Oh, well, I was just thinking about like the history of like slasher movies and it just seemed like, like, like it was like too early to like have like a really good plot twist and this one did. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, I bet they Scooby-Dooed it. I bet they Scooby-Dooed it and it's the fucking, um, the, the camp leader guy, the, the owner. Oh, Costa? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, 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 
I thought about that at first, you know. And of course, I thought of like Ricky, and and then as soon as like Angela started to get bullied, I was like, I bet it's her. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't really know until the end. I didn't have a one hundred percent. Yeah. Like I, like, I, I think through my first watch, uh, what I I thought was I was pretty confident that you know the killer was Angela by by this point. Yeah. But my question then became like, to what extent, if any, is this a supernatural story? Okay. Um, and you know, as we find out, you know, it's not. But uh, well, it's debatable. At the end, I guess. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think my question was like, oh, is she like you know? Yeah. To what extent is something? supernatural happening yeah but yeah my only other thought was maybe it's and the ending did take me by surprise like where exactly it went but the only other thing i was thinking is like maybe it's her brother she thought was dead hanging out in the woods like looking after her you know like he actually survived and has been following her for about eight years you know, just like looking out for her but nobody knows he exists I, you know yeah but i thought it was interesting when that kid drowned and it showed his dead body. He was like making fun of the girl or like making her scared of the sea snakes. Right. And then it shows his dead body and a oh, snake right. slithers out of his mouth. I was like, oh, that's yeah. some poetic justice, you know? Yeah. That was realistic. <laughs> and then the great scene with the counselor talking to the cop and he's like, yeah. you know, I was just thinking, I remember him being a pretty damn good swimmer. Like, yeah. yeah, well, that I, I've got that written down. Yeah, because he says that. And then what's even weirder is the cop's response. The cop says, I hope you're wrong about that. Yes. yes. I, was, I was like, wait, what? Wrong? I, what? I don't even know what difference that would make, but that's a weird, <laughs> like a weird thing to say. <laughs> with the cop yeah, with, with yes. his obviously pasted on mustache. Like, there's no way that was a real mustache. He has a mustache in the beginning. Uh-huh. And then at the but, end. Go ahead. Yeah. So, yeah, I only know this from reading trivia uh, about the movie Same. way before the podcast, but he does have a mustache at the beginning, but then they brought them back for some reshoots, and oh. he did not. So, at the, at the end, she has his uh, fake mustache. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's what, I just noticed it at the end then, and I just assumed it was a shitty-looking mustache the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Like why did they why did they have to use like the shoe polish? Like why couldn't they have actually given him like a like a mustache? Why couldn't they have CGI'd him like Superman, right? <laughs> <laughs> or it's like if nothing if nothing else, it's like have had him like even if it was like a couple of you know you knew had a couple of days notice that you were gonna film a reshoot. Like realistically, the dude could have like trimmed up. Like you know what I mean? Like you could have had a. a some sort of smaller mustache but yeah that that mustache was powerful yeah <laughs> uh, sweet stash man <laughs> sweet stash so there's uh, so there's that there's the awkward first kiss uh between paul and angela oh that's um, right yeah which is what sparks her uh her memory uh, yeah. of uh the kids uh you know she and her brother finding uh her dad with his partner in I was talking about this with a friend too, and it's like I was like, you know, the giggling, and I was like, if this is so, like, my question, you know, I was like, if, if in fact, you know, they are partners, and you know, we have no hint that there's a mother of any kind, right? Like, right. so if, if they are partners raising these kids, like, why are they like so, like, oh my gosh, this is so weird? But then, you know, a friend of mine was like, well, I think any kid in that situation, seeing adults in your life, like, doing anything, like, intimate would make you giggle. Right. But then it's like, 
but then why did she have this like why did it trigger this memory when she's kissing someone like what's the message that we're trying to receive from this right yeah yeah and that's why you know and it seems to tie in like that you know like homosexuality and then maybe i don't know if there was incest with her and her brother and then and then the reveal at the end that's why i kind of i was like oh this seems like there's something problematic here you know exactly like why is it showing us that why is that relevant right here which is why you know yeah and what's and you know it's like going back and forth on what's the message we're supposed to receive like again that is like that's the only like one of the very few like not super terrible like toxic relationships between people we see in the movie we see what appears to just be like a normal moment between two people who love each other um with that's very ethereal with music and then Every other scene are people like fucking just being horrible. <laughs> being terrible. Well, yeah. and, I, and I almost wonder, like, I have to wonder, like, was that intentional by the director, or did did he intend it, did he intend it as something shocking or negative? And us, you know, in twenty twenty one, who are of a certain, you know, uh, a different mindset than maybe the director was in, we look at it and we're like. No, that's like a couple loving people who are like not being terrible to each other. It's a nice break from all the <laughs> shittiness, you know. And I, I say this as the person who recommended this uh, movie for the podcast, as someone who I would say I truly enjoy this movie. I believe that we are, um, I believe, I'm thinking back to, I, I believe the director of this movie, this was part of a, he had a contract and he had to do, Halloween had come out, everyone was ripping off Halloween, you know, Friday the 13th ripped off that. And I believe what we're getting here is a rip off of Friday the 13th. But it's like he was contracted, I believe, to do two or three movies and one of them was a slasher and as someone who really enjoys this movie uh i think that the three of us are probably putting way more thought into uh the message he was sending <laughs> right. than robert hilchick the director ever did. ever did yeah like, yeah 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 well and that's and and i and uh, most of what i read about this was i read a few articles uh by trans women and, and a couple of them were defenses of the movie and, and things they liked about the movie and, and the ways they related to the movie, whether it was intentional by the director or not, uh, <laughs> you know, was, you know. Uh, yeah, because of the two camps, uh, there is the argument by some, um, you know, trans horror writers that this is this movie is a, um, a trans revenge fantasy. Yeah, I read that. Yeah. Um, like, right, like everyone who, you know, gets it in this movie kind of, it, well, they weren't just mean to her. They were, well, I think the most extreme, and maybe we're getting there with the, the murder. Like, everyone else, I think, was really terrible to her. Like, said some super terrible things. Right. But maybe those little boys splashing water on you at the beach didn't have it coming to them. Right. Like, <laughs> right. like they they weren't too bad. Like, they just threw some water on you. Right. They're, yeah, they're no, they're no Judy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah, I, I read that, the revenge fantasy kind of defense of it. And then I, uh, one thing I thought was interesting was that at least uh, one writer I was reading about read it almost as unintentional representation because it's – and, and almost in a reversal because it's not a person who is being forced to live as their assigned gender, right? It's kind of the reverse of that. It's somebody who feels like a boy and, and has a penis, but they're being forced to live – as a woman but but you know the representation this this writer i was reading this this trans woman saw was the discomfort and kind of the gender dysphoria of being forced to to you know act in a way or dress in a way or behave in a way that you don't feel like you are 
You know what I mean? And so they described it as like unintentional representation of of what their childhood was like. You know, and they saw themselves yes. in Angela and her awkwardness. You know, and and all of this happening amidst this hypersexual situation with a bunch of other hypersexual teenagers. Right? You're yeah. experiencing all of this gender like weirdness while everyone else is like fully like. <laughs> boning everywhere around you right. or at least talking about it right or or at least skinny dipping with all the other dudes while while the, the girls watch from the shore did you guys think it was really weird i, I think it oh is the character's name janice is that uh, the the the, uh, the mean girl oh the, no it's not her it's another girl but there's this one girl that like goes to the the um the the, the, the camp um owner and is like hey do you want to go out on a date oh yeah no, meg yeah. meg that's meg meg so weird. It's, like, it was really weird yeah well because their relationship it wasn't even like that it was like she had invited her to dinner and she was like hey that that dinner you talked about like let's what was her motive like is he i mean he's not rolling in camp money i'm sure like i don't right maybe maybe it was just like an uh you know a young girl and an older dude and that yeah, yeah, but but the, but again, he looks the weird like Walter the... Matthau before he died. <laughs> well, and that's and this this is a, this is a little weird, and maybe maybe a little morbid. But sometimes when I'm watching, you know, older movies, and uh, the thought just occurred to me, I was like, that man looks so so old in this role in this movie. I was like, there's there's no way I'm I'm he he must have died by now. Which I don't know why that's interesting or fat or just weird to me that I'm like watching a movie and this person is now dead but i'm watching something they did like 40 years ago i don't know why sure. that that's just odd to that, me that is interesting so so i i i, I like looked this guy up and this was actually his last role he passed away like pr like right after they filmed this movie uh oh. old man costa passed away uh costa yeah what's the actor's name i'm, I'm looking i'm pulling up the uh his I'm name, right uh, Mike, Mike Kellen is the guy's name. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, so something I think to, I guess to keep in mind before we, so going back to, you know, I think we have to, you know, of course talk about the, the ending of the movie first, but when we get to talking about, if we can, at the time, uh, sequels, the two solid sequels that both take a different, I don't know, Angela's uh, gender identity uh, varies at both of those sequels. I haven't, I haven't seen any of the sequels, but yeah, I did read that, I guess it was Bruce Springsteen's little sister, Pamela Springsteen, that plays Angela in, in the sequels, mm -hmm. but I, so I, I haven't seen them though, so I don't know, I don't know where they take the, the character and the, the themes and all that, but, but another thing about that, the relationship between old man Costa and Meg is again, this is something that's like, seems pretty obviously wrong. He's like at least twice, if not three times her age, and then but then when she doesn't show up to dinner, he's go like you think it's something they're probably going to do in secret, like maybe don't tell any anybody about. But he's going around the camp like, have you seen Meg? Where's Meg? We were supposed to have dinner. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a pedophile in this movie, like, you don't give a shit about getting caught. It's no. 
okay, Meg, like, you know, you're into older guys, whatever. But it's like, it very much seemed like this had not happened before, but literally, like, him finding what he finds, you know, un- you know, we, we soon find that Meg is dispatched in the shower by a very powerful knife that goes all the way through metal, <laughs> like, into her back. And, right. But his response, he's like, not my Meg! Oh, yeah. my Meg! Yeah, like, and completely <laughs> throws Reason out the window. And even if he yeah. thought it was Ricky, instead of calling the cops... His response is to just go and beat the shit out of a little boy <laughs> because <laughs> because some random girl died that he was maybe going to have dinner with. I, I, when he was like beating Ricky, I was like, this is fucking why like what who who wrote this and thought, yeah, all of these characters like this is their this is what they would do at this point, you know. <laughs> and, and well, and then of course we have missed yeah, well, oh, we uh, I guess an important scene and where um Oh, why is his name keep escaping me? It's because his uh, um, her the love interest of uh, of of Judy or Angela. Um, Paul. Yes, yes. I'm sorry. So, uh, Paul. I think an important scene is Paul's frustration. Uh, you know that Angela is not as hot and heavy as he is and won't put out. So, you know, the next response is to fall into Judy's trap and just make out with her in the woods. Right. Um, <laughs> quick, can I can I interject real quick, James? Oh yeah, for sure. At, at, at the same time, the most epic game of Capture the Flag <laughs> is being played. And I will say, I think this was probably the first time Capture the Flag was ever put on a screen or in the brains of other children because there's a whole scene where they're describing the rules of <laughs> Capture the Flag. Like it right. must have just been invented. <laughs> yeah, they're like, we need, to, we, re- we need to make sure we get a scene describing this game or no I one will know play. what's going on. The audience will be lost. We will Show lose the audience. The <laughs> well, and, yeah. and you know, I one thought that occurred to me was so they so Ricky and Angela stumble upon Judy and Paul making out in the woods, and that kind of derails yeah. the whole thing. I was left wondering, would their plan have worked? Would they have won capture the flag? I don't know. Was it a good strategy? You know? Yeah, their plan was to. To circumvent the game, like to walk down a trail like a, like three miles away yeah. and come up behind the right. opposing flag. Yeah, and then do a, like, a pincer how move. Would that have, how would that have changed like the trajectory of the movie where Angela becomes this like hero of Capture the Flag <laughs> and is like super popular at camp the rest right. of the summer? <laughs> yeah, totally different. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all accepting of her secret. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's. Yeah, that's maybe that's a good headcanon for the movie is an alternate ending where where they if they had just one capture the flag, you know, but uh, but so guys, I think uh, as we're getting toward the end of the movie here, I think we accidentally skipped over the best death in the movie, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. The, I think it's the same one, and that's why I was telling the makeout story. But I think it's the same one we're talking about. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. No, is it? Are we? Are we referring to to Judy being dispatched? Oh, I'm so sorry. No, that's okay. I'm sorry. My uh, the one I thought was most interesting uh, was when when the one of the bullies goes to the bathroom to take what's he say? I think he says a monster oh. dump, and then yes. the killer the killer slashes the screen and. <laughs> sticks a beehive through it and shakes bees out shakes bees out onto this boy to kill him and not not just any bees but bees that literally within minutes will will 
create a hive within your skull. Right. And yeah. you can, like start eating your flesh from the inside right. out. Like these were special bees. Yeah, they immediately popped the queen into his nose immediately <laughs> yeah. and just went to town, you know. <laughs> yeah, was it the same knife that the camp counselors um, confiscated from the boy? The gl- boy with glasses? Oh, I don't I don't remember if that came before or after. I don't remember. I think, oh, yeah, I don't I think know. that I yeah. think that came shortly before where his knife was confiscated. Oh yeah, which that was one guy, Ronnie. I think was the counselor that took the knife. He was the one guy in that camp who seemed to like maybe not be a terrible dude. Although he did leave Angela with the head cook Artie, but he seemed to just be oblivious. (laughs) Well, it's it's just that I wish that you know that counselor. I wish he would have been able to dress more comfortable for camp. You know, like. Why not? He didn't look comfortable to you? <laughs> he looked so comfortable. <laughs> I, like, it was, he was just uh, fully wearing just briefs, yeah. as though they were shorts. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, wait, who, who was the guy with the giant pecs? Yeah, the I, same one with Ronnie. his, his shorts. Top, like, it looked like, that guy looked like, like, he worked out a bunch, but only, only, like, on the machines that would increase your pec size. Like, it was, like, only that. And like maybe it was like it was like maybe like uh, it was it was inconsequential that his arms might have gotten bigger. He was just worried. (laughs) That was an accident. All he cared about was big pecs, and his shorts could not be any longer than at least a two and a half inch inseam. Right? Yeah, big big pecs pecs and short shorts. so, so then we get to, I think, one of the, the more brutal deaths um, that I've never seen done in another horror movie that I can remember. Uh, Judy's, I mean, we really, of course, we really hate Judy. So yeah. she had it coming, but uh, what a way to go, Judy. Yeah, yeah. And, and the the insinuation is she is uh, uh, penetrated by the hair cur- curler, right? Am I reading that correctly? Yes, she is. She is penetrated by the curling iron. Yes. Curling iron, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah fuck, brutal. Yeah, even even oh, Judy, so what, even what, like even Judy didn't deserve scenario? that. What's that, Brett? A shot. It was in a shocker. <laughs> it's like I noticed the shadow on the wall. Yo, like, oh my God, you're right. Open, open yeah. like speculum style. Like opens it up and then like, and then I didn't yeah. understand like, her, Judy's reaction. Like I would immediately put my hand where the pain is right, <laughs> right. Sort of her hands up. both go straight up <laughs> we got a good horror hand we saw, yeah yeah <laughs> um, um also a uh, quick fact that is i believe i'm about 90 percent sure on this the shadow uh we only see uh we see the killer in silhouette uh standing at the door as they come in and i do i do believe that is ricky's silhouette they used oh uh, is it to film yeah, I believe I'm about 90% sure that's true. Okay, that's it. And I know why. It's because the mom of uh, of the actress who plays Angela did not want her to be be shown as a, as killing something. Mm. I read it somewhere. Well, right, but it also throws us off, right? Like we see kind off, of a different right. silhouette. Yeah, absolutely. Right, because you're like that's obviously Ricky. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and I thought. So this is just something I kind of want to talk about, kind of zoom out and talk about slashers in general. I, I, as I was reading about this movie, I read something that talked about, 
you know, if if the if the sixties and even the seventies were about free love, right? And and that and that was such a large movement that especially the eighties slasher movies kind of seemed to be a little more conservative in that like free love comes with a price, right? Especially like in the era of uh, you know, when, when there, the AIDS epidemic was coming on, there seemed to be a lot more allegory in horror movies that was like, no, love isn't free. There's a price that comes with, you'll be punished for any kind of like sexual activity or deviations from, yeah, yeah. which I just, I, I, I thought that was interesting, you know. And, and something that, uh, it was almost a self-fulfilling prophecy that, um, you know, there, it was said that, um, you know, in Halloween, uh, like that kind of that idea that you are punished, you know, that we see in screen because it's so meta that you're punished for sexual activity and horror and slasher flicks. Um, really, it was like, a, you know, in an interview with John Carpenter, because really the, the teens we see die in Halloween are the two who go up. And John Carpenter was like, no, like that, that wasn't the message I was sending. But what happened is, is like movies like Friday the 13th took it and ran with it and almost uh, in a way that they were trying to parry parody it made it real like at one point you know in a movie like we see jason and one of the early Friday 13th step on a condom wrapper right mm -hmm. and then what we see speaking of the AIDS pandemic later is that couple there it's a couple who's hooking up uh he steps on the condom wrapper that particular couple does not die he is distracted and like then dispatches someone else but it was perceived as a message that like oh they're they're practicing safe sex. I'm going to go over here and kill these other people. <laughs> right. Oh, that's cool. Uh, interesting. Oh, huh. Yeah, so where are we next in the movies? I think, so we, we, we have Judy Dispatch. There's now, you know, uh, most of the kids have gone home. Uh, that's something that, he's up right there, moving the kids into uh, uh, condensing cabins because so many kids have gone home, presumably because parents are hearing that these murders are happening, but the police aren't concerned, just the parents. Right. That, that makes sense because I wasn't sure I didn't pick up that pe that parents were picking up their kids so I just picked up that they were consolidating and now I think at one point Ricky says it's hard to get like a pickup game of basketball going or something that's oh, his that's right. <laughs> and I was like and I was like well sure people are but like at that point only like two or three kids have died I was like that's not a huge part of the camp population but it may if kids were going home too that makes more sense <laughs> yeah, yeah, the count <laughs> Yeah. And then we have so then we have, you know, the the night, I think we're down to the final night where we have I mean that's the night when Judy Judy and Meg meet their end. Um, yeah. we have the the kids who 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 possibly uh kicked some sand at her. Uh <laughs> are um also that the terrible counselors. Like if yeah. at one point if one kid wants to go home do you leave the other four, like, six-year-olds in the woods right. to go, like, drive this kid back? Right. And, he, yeah, he stops to look at them for a minute. He looks at them, and he's like, eh, they'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, my God, and when he returns, they're just... It's, yeah. It's a, I forgot all about that scene. Yeah. But at, yeah. as a, I want to jump back for just a second. When we were talking about the uh, Capture the Flag game, when he goes yeah. to like discuss the rules of the game, it's I the kid's name is Gene. I, I've written down for some reason, but so the kid that goes to explain it, he he goes to the uh, or I think he's one of the counselors. He says to the kids, he's like, "All right, gangsters, here's <laughs> like calls all the kids gangsters." I was like, "That's that seems really odd for 1983." Like, yeah. oh, and meanwhile, the the counselor who is modeling. <laughs> 
hypersexualized camp. As he's explaining Capture the Flag, like, right, he's modeling it. He's like has the flag in a very phallic position. That right. he's, like, and he's, like, he's putting it in his mouth. Like, yeah, oh, yes, yes. Yeah. In front of all of these children. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So then... So yeah, so then that, that basically brings us to the end and the reveal. Um, uh, well, one more death. We missed the death of a uh, good old, uh, what's his name? Uh, the owner. I can't oh, yeah. Costa. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 At the, uh, the, the arrow, right through the. Right through the net. Yeah. As soon as, as soon as he beats right Ricky senseless, he, get, yes. he gets an like, arrow. Yeah, the full on like this. Both, like, both this hands. Stuff. Yeah. Crashing down. Oh, and I was, I was thinking. I, I don't believe this to be true. You know, I've, I've rewatched this movie a couple of times, but is there any hint? Like, do we ever see anyone practicing archery at any point in the movie? Not that I recall. That was a good shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was so fast. Yeah, right in the neck. <laughs> well, and he's immediate. And again, this like this guy's trajectory of this character like goes after this boy because this this girl got murdered, and then he's immediately like. I gotta get away. I gotta. I gotta. Yes. <laughs> he's and he's gonna go on the lamb now. Like <laughs> I've abandoned my whole camp that I've been fighting to keep open. Right. So long. And you know, if he had done that, they probably would assume had he gotten away, they would have assumed he was the murderer, probably. And and oh yeah, of everyone. And and yeah, and it would have been like a you know a tri-state manhunt for this monster. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, man. That's yeah, that's my head cannon is that Costa <laughs> gets away and he's arrested for these crimes, you know. <laughs> um. So yeah, I, uh, yeah, brings us to the final, uh, the big reveal, and I, I'm really curious. I don't remember what they, it was like seeing it for the first time, so I'm so curious to see what guys are feeling having recently experienced the 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 ending the turn yeah brent do you you want to go yeah it's okay for me to just reveal it yeah yeah reveal it if anyone doesn't want to have the ending of this movie spoiled at this point after we've talked about it a lot already (laughs) please turn the podcast off now (laughs) so so it's like there's the murderer right there and the camera turns, and it's Angela, and and, and Angela is naked, and there's a, uh, a penis. Yeah, <laughs> we see a penis, and I think the line of dialogue is like, "Look at that little kid's penis." And <laughs> 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 Look at that little kid's penis. And, so, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. I'm I'm curious to see the rest of you and what Corey thought because. Yeah. There's one thing that stands out to me the most, but I don't remember. Yeah. Can I go on? Oh, yeah. The way I felt was that back then in the 80s, that was a much more insane reveal. Like, to me, it was just like, oh, okay. Oh, then then, then afterward, it was like, oh, this is like, this is, this is a really crazy ending. This is so cool. You know what happened? But I imagine like back then, like I, I kept thinking about what other people thought about it in the 80s when that was going on. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the 80s were <laughs> which was most likely you know, sometime like, during the 80s. Like the best thing in the 80s, like no, we have fucking clear Pepsi, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we have we have wieners in the movies. <laughs> yeah, that was, can we put wieners in the movies now? That was uh... <laughs> uh, the uh, the wiener in question. Uh, they was a it was a actually cop. Ricky. Uh, <laughs> 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 It was a 
college student, they paid a hundred bucks. Oh, so really? Like, yeah, yeah. So, to wear the because it was all practical effects. So, to oh, like, that that was a mask. Yeah, to wear a to to wear the mask. Okay. And, uh, I think the close up is like you know they I want they do the close up of the, right. the face and the thing and that's Angela, but then the the far away is yeah a mask and this college student who. Right, which um, which I don't think we've mentioned. Angela's real name is Felissa Rose. I think we've mentioned everyone else's name. I don't know if we've mentioned hers or not, but I think she's kind of come back and had a presence in the horror community. Is the impression I get. She's done like other kind of B horror movies, I think. Um, but also I think probably goes to conventions and stuff and has been. She's she's so beautiful. Her eyes are so amazing. In fact, that was what they wanted. The director wanted was. Like a girl her around her age, and by the way, I meant like beautiful now. <laughs> what the director wanted was like, like those doe eyes, right? Like, with like huge eyes that could just like stare off into space, kind of thing. And she just fit the bill perfectly. Yeah, she nails you know? that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and so my experience with it was, since I looking back on it, I think you're supposed to assume that Angela's been traumatized, and and the murderer has killed Paul. And she's like holding his dead body traumatized, right? At this point, I had pretty much assumed she was the killer. Um, but I, I did not see the twist reveal at the end. And when she stands up, regardless of what it what the reveal is, the way it's filmed and just the the sound that she makes and the just the mood and the tone and everything about it is so striking. It's I, it really is like an evocative image right like i like i can still see and hear that image right and then Im yep. immediately for me so i was like damn this is like really impactful uh and then and then it like you know goes a shade of green and the credits start rolling immediately like that's the end of the movie the reveal and then the end of the movie and immediately i was like oh fuck there's you know I, i've got to record yep. a podcast tomorrow and this is going to be a lot heavier than I thought it was. I was like, I've got to do so much reading. Like, I was like, this this feels really problematic. And there's so I need to do so much preparation for this podcast tomorrow. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And, and so the problematic part, I think there's a there's a term for this that I, uh, I is, is going to escape me right now. But it is a particular kind of image that horror directors uh, go for. And typically, I, you know, it's it's essentially meant. The image is usually not uh, graphic in nature as far as violence in and of itself, mm -hmm. but it is usually uh, filmed in such a way that it is backlit just to make us, what's supposed to make us feel uncomfortable is how, like, um, uncomfortable it makes us feel. Right. And, you know, and especially, like, and then being backlit is a part of it. And so for many folks, what is problematic about it is that it's like we're, we're this idea that you know, someone who we believe, you know, is perceived to be female has a penis. And like, that is supposed to be the grotesqueness of it right. highlighted by like the backlighting and the, the still shot. Um, and, you know, also the fact that she's, is portrayed as being like superhuman in uh, that sound that she's making. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think for me, like my first take and the thing that I will always remember, um, is uh that also that the tragic part of this is that she had invited uh peter to meet her at the not peter i'm sorry paul paul, paul paul to meet her uh at the 
at the lake and they were, you know, presumably she kind of hinted that they were going to hook up. Um, she is naked, cradling Paul's head. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, she stands up and, you know, I think also problematic is these two camp counselors see her and a human head of a decapitated boy falls from her lap. Right. But the response is, oh, my God, she's a boy. <laughs> right. Not she decapitated this this young child. Right. Yeah. No, yeah. Not that she there's... has a penis. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Of all the things to notice in that moment. Yeah. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah. So coming to uh, just I guess to mention the sequels, uh, there are four sequels to this movie. Uh, I'm sorry, three sequels. Um, two of which in the, in the second movie, without going in too much, we see um, Angela having gone to uh having gone to a facility now completely um she has been rehabilitated she is no longer considered homicidal and she is uh living as angela mm -hmm. she um and she's and she gets a job uh working at a summer camp owned by her uncle <laughs> you know um, if, if i can i just want to interject for a minute this kind of reminds me and also the reveal at the end of psycho right where he's revealed to be his mother and then I believe in the sequels, it even goes on to where he's like rehabilitated and trying to live, uh, you know, a regular life in society. So that is, and I would love to discuss Psycho with you all. That is the whole plot of Psycho 2 is that it's literally made 20 years later. Right. Um, with Anthony Perkins. And yeah, he's been rehabilitated. Uh, so in, in the second movie, she's been rehabilitated. She you goes back to the movie American Psycho 2. He's still into Huey Lewis in the news. <laughs> <laughs> well, the totally. movie American Psycho 2, the killer is, uh, what's her name from that 70s show? Oh, uh, Mila Kunis? It's her, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. She's the, it's it's her. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry I interrupted you, James. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I guess what I was getting at is that in the next two full sequels, Angela, as far as her identity, Angela is living as Angela. Um, yeah. And is still homicidal and still punishing people for behaving poorly. Um, however, there is a Sleepaway Camp 4 uh, that was never really released. Um, it exists. You can find it online. It was in 2008. Most oh. of it most of it is found footage. Uh, or not found footage, but uh, footage just taken from the first three movies. Um, but this movie, um, the killer is revealed at the end to be the sheriff um, who is... Who is was a male character who we learn is was angela who has been living at almost retcons the others and angela since the first one had been living as a man um, oh, okay. which that that was you know his identity was a he and he was now the sheriff of this town and killing and, and is that the one that's is that the one that's actually played by felissa rose where she comes back to play the sheriff Ooh, um i don't know if it's that she comes back but, but it's the same actress i'm asking is it the same actress uh, I don't know if it's she's credited, but I don't know if it's just because of the footage from the first three movies. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm not that. I'm not sure of. Okay, interesting. Yeah, there's a lot I'm trying to to gather my thought. Yeah, it reminded me of Psycho, and also kind of like the Who Done It, uh, uh, which I don't want to spoil it for you. If I don't know if you've seen it, Brent. Do you know who the killer is in Friday the Thirteenth, the first one? No. Okay. Oh, well. So I don't want to spoil. Okay. I don't want to spoil. I don't want to spoil that thing. Because but we'll it, probably do that that movie at some point. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, or you should at least watch it. But it's um, but yeah. So I don't want to spoil it. But it it is kind of reminds me of that and and other movies 
where it kind of has like a it's it's a, it's a mystery as well, you know, because not because because not all a lot of the slashers aren't a mystery, right? You know who the killer is, but 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 this is a I, I think maybe a subgenre of a subgenre where it's like also a mystery tied into it, you know. Yeah, really, we have this. We have uh, in that same you know you know kind of house. We have this uh, sleepaway camp the first Friday the 13th, as well as uh, and then prom night, all kind of happening at the same okay. time, where it's a, it's a whodunit uh, as well, uh, which was the thing that was happening. But yes, uh, uh, Friday the 13th, part one. Uh, Brent and I work with uh, my, my best friend, as he's titled, uh, my horror movie compadre, uh, is the son of one of our co-workers. He is, uh, he's now 10. Okay. Um, <laughs> and so for the past... For the past two years, his his hero, the ultimate icon, is Michael Myers. Loves Michael Myers movies. Nice. I the Halloween franchise is also one of my favorites. So, you know, she used to bring him. He's been she's worked there for four years. She's been bringing him into work since he was like six, and I'm, he's loved Halloween. So he and I over the last three years have become horror movie pals. Like we go to see everything together. Last summer, of course, there were no new movies, um, but Tibbs did a uh, a night called the Originals. Uh, Tibbs Drive-In, uh, okay. which is great. I recommend if you want to step back into the 90s, anyone listening, go to Tibbs Drive-In. Uh, you go into that concession stand and you are in 1990. Uh, <laughs> but they did a uh, the, the originals. So they did uh, Friday the 13th Part 1, Halloween Part 1, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 1. Nice. And we're driving. I'm driving our friend's son there to go see this. And he loves Halloween. And I was like, wait. I was like, dude, do you know? I was like, do you know who the killer is? And uh, Friday the 13th part one and he was like no I was so stoked and I was like I can't wait for you to see it man <laughs> it was the first one they played we get there um, we get snacks we're ready I look over halfway through the first one dude's fully asleep oh, no. all the way through he wakes up later of course for Halloween and uh, the other one but I was like I uh, I was like I, I'm not I can't tell you right. but like oh man <laughs> Okay, so we're bumping up against the time here. Um, I wanna, I wanna let you guys go. Did you guys? I, we, I think we came up with a couple good headcanon uh, scenarios during the course of the episode. Did you guys have anything you wanna plug or talk about? Anything you've got going on, or another headcanon for an alternate uh, take on this movie, or, or yeah, just anything you wanna touch on before we end here? I think it's. I, I have a headcanon too, but Brent, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, it's probably better that you end it. Um, but so I thought that since like there was that scene where um, where like Ricky is wearing the the wig and it throws you off and thinks that like that like it's it's him. I thought it'd be interesting if instead of Ricky it was it was Costa. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then and then because it's like a different person at the very end, like instead instead it's Costa again. But like they didn't have to pay the hundred dollars to the college kid. <laughs> yes. Oh god, it's just it just cost his old man penis. <laughs> and you're just yeah. supposed to believe that's Angela's body. <laughs> well, I mean, which is not that much more far fetched than like right. this like college student, right? Yeah, like a nineteen year old man. Yeah. Um, I think for me, my head cannon. Uh, I love a. Uh, I love a good setup for a possible like prequel what i would love to see is uh you know we have the end we you know we see angela's reveal we have the counselors what i would like to see is uh aunt martha show up uh cover up the situation if you will and see what the next steps are for uh aunt martha ricky and angela like how, how would aunt martha 
and then you know, maybe then we would find out what kind of doctor she is. Uh, <laughs> right. So, like, it made so much like, more sense at the end when she, she at the beginning, she's like, don't tell anyone how, you, how your physicals came out. Right. Yeah. At yeah. the very beginning, yeah. So, like, if she, like, showed up, used some, like, doctor skills, and then we see what the next steps are with... Or she's, but she's just like trying to sew on that boy's decapitated head, and she's like, "It's okay, I'm a doctor." And they're like, "That's not gonna, no, it's he's done, it's over for." More, ooh, more importantly, that sets us up for the sequel that I want to be a prequel, which is the story of Aunt Martha. Yeah, and how she came to be. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll watch and anything about Aunt Martha ends, all day. The prequel, end, the prequel would end with her; she's creating the physicals. And she's writing them in like backwards letters and crayon. She's <laughs> <laughs> like a psycho, that woman. All right. Well, all right. Well, I guess real quick, my my head canon would be: I hope that the girl who was the skier in that accident in the beginning, she was also traumatized and went on to become a murderer. So she's at it. She goes to a different camp and starts murdering. <laughs> but the whole time she does it, she's like, "They're gonna die! I know it! Oh my God! Somebody, please help! They're gonna die!" We <laughs> just end with Angela getting really annoyed by the third film and just being like this, but she's gotta go. Right, yeah. You gotta find a terrible way. Shake some bees on her or something, you know? <laughs> Alright. Well, James, it's been a pleasure. This has been a lot of... Oh man, this has been yeah. so good. This is so good. Thank you. Thank you both for having me. It has uh, been so much fun. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk about horror and have a good time with you guys. Yeah. And thanks for being willing to take on this uh, weird ass movie and uh, <laughs> yeah. Happy Pride Month, I guess. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's Pride right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Thanks for sharing it with us. It was it was it was good to watch. I'd never seen it before. So, on next week's episode, we're going to be covering Zack Snyder's 2021 movie Army of the Dead. So make sure to watch that before next week. As always, you can find us on social media. Facebook, we're Danger Explosion Presents Head Cannon. You can also find us on Instagram at Head Head Cannon Pod. Also, Twitter at Horror Movie Pod and Reddit r slash Horror Movie Pod. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to hear this and uh, more uh, more of the pod as you guys put out episodes. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I'm sure Brent will let you know when it drops and everything. So, uh, absolutely. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thank you. This has been. Head cannon. Ah! Oh,